artists are the worst Christians. And the reason is, is because we're the most conflicted because art by its very nature is self-expression and Christianity by its nature is self-denial. So there's there's an immediate paradox that you're confronted with that's that's extremely challenging. Welcome to the 45th episode of the Indo Podcast. I'm Isaac, your host, and with me today is Brittany. Hey. It's, it's been a while since you've actually been on, so it's it kind of nice, to, hi, it's nice good, to have you back. It's good to be back. Yeah. Um, today I have the great privilege of chatting with Portland pastor and musician Josh White. Actually, when Britt and I uh, have gone down to Portland, we've actually visited his church a couple times and we've really, we've really enjoyed it. Yeah. Yeah. It's a, it's a, it's a cool place to, yeah. <laughs> to visit. And uh, yeah, we last time we were down there, um, we found out that he actually got saved in a Calvary Chapel church, which is the same uh, denomination, even though they're considered non-denominational, I think. But anyway, that uh, my dad used to um, plant with. So, oh, nice. Yeah, so you so just felt that I grew connection? Up, yeah, I felt that connection. I grew up in the Calvary Chapel church. So yeah, there yeah, was an immediate connection there. Exactly. And actually in the conversation, in his sort of testimony, he says that that is the church that he was saved in, right? Mm-hmm. And he begins to even worship pastor at as well. So that's kind of, that's kind of neat. But anyways, let's get into this conversation with Josh White. Well, I'm in the studio and I uh, have the privilege of chatting with Josh White today. He's a musician uh, that I personally actually have enjoyed uh, for some time now, but also a pastor at a church in Portland. So thanks so much for coming on the show, Josh. Happy to be here. Um, I'm really looking forward actually to our conversation today, mostly because, you know, there are, there are many artists in the church, at least that I've sort of encountered, um, that have sort of struggled in their role as an artist and the sort of their duty as a Christian and how those sort of align and work with one another. Um, so really, uh, I, I want to talk with uh, Josh White uh, today, just mostly because he is this musician and uh, we'll get into more more of that in a little bit, but also a pastor. So I'm sure that, Josh, I'm, 30, I'm sure you've thought through some of those uh, kind of ideas of artist and Christian and how those work together. But why don't you first just give us a quick summary of, uh, of who you are as a person so people can sort of put a, an idea to you, to this voice. As you said, my name is Josh White. I, I, I didn't come to faith, actually, until my late 20s. And uh, I lived in Seattle, uh, Seattle, Washington, and and was a part of kind of the whole post grunge movement. Mm. It was I <laughs> got I moved there in '93, and so I began pursuing music uh, immediately uh, at 20, and uh, ended up getting signed to Mercury Records uh, okay. when I was 22, and uh, I did it. An album for Mercury, and I mean, just as very ambitious right. young man, and uh, <laughs> very consumed with uh, with the concept of fame and stardom. And mm. uh, in fact, I would say art for me was more of a tool toward the fulfillment of that obsession of being known. Right. Uh, and so, and mm. and because of that, the art suffered. <laughs> right. And so, uh, you know, I, it's interesting. I used to actually play. My one of my good friends was a booking agent in Seattle, uh, and he was from Vancouver, BC, and he owned a club up in Vancouver. Uh, and we, I, I remember, I used to play up there once a month at the, oh, this wow. club called the called the Brickyard. And back <laughs> in the day when music when Music West was held in Vancouver, BC. In fact, uh, we when we signed to Mercury. 
there was this Canadian band that I thought there's no way this band <laughs> will ever make it um, opened for us uh, and it ends up being uh, one of the biggest bands in, in rock, which was, uh, oh, what's their name? They were like the the Soundgarden ripoff band. Uh, oh, uh, Total Heshers. <laughs> I, uh, why am I drawing a blank? They they had a song like called like Superman or something like that. Okay, they're they're huge, huge from Vancouver, BC, like big in America. Okay, uh, so so I <laughs> I was uh, well introduced even into the Canadian uh, music world right. through uh, through my twenties and my yeah. you know time doing doing rock, and for for me basically I I kind of hit the crisis. Uh, I got married right after my record um, came out and it was dropped within six months of our first single being released because it didn't break uh, at radio. Mm. And, uh, you know, just found myself pretty quickly uh, in a, you know, existential crisis of like yeah. everything I've been trying to call just the realization that yeah. this is so everything I want that if I don't get this I actually don't know what the purpose of living is and I right. uh, began to explore faith kind of in my mid to late 20s mm-hmm. uh, and uh, came to kind of I, I sort of had this radical conversion to uh, to Christianity when I was uh, when I was 28 and uh, and it wasn't through going to church or someone sharing with me. I mean, there were seeds planted by people. Uh, mm-hmm. I had a loose upbringing in church. That's how I started singing. Okay. Um, but it completely denounced it by the time I was fifteen. Uh, and so I, I I just started reading uh, reading my reading a Bible my mom got me. Yeah. And I just reading the Gospels came to came to be convinced that Jesus was so much more than I'd ever. Wow. considered. Yeah. And, uh, and that led to me going to a little church called, uh, Calvary Chapel, so city Calvary, yeah. uh, in Wallingford district. And my wife actually freaked out. She didn't want anything to do with it. And so we almost, I mean, I went through two years of actually being a believer before my wife came to faith. Wow. Uh, and, uh, around the time our son was born. And at that time, um, the record, uh, uh, people from the record label Tooth and Nail mm-hmm. started coming to the church that I was at, and uh, and the pastor had convinced me to get involved with worship. But the thing is, I I hated, I I didn't understand Christian music, and right. I didn't understand <laughs> that universe. Sure. And so I was uh, I you know I was such a music snob. I'm still actually a music snob. <laughs> uh, <laughs> snob is one of my one of my strengths. Right. Else. It's like one of the few areas I'm just not very nice. Yeah. Well, you know, like, uh, okay. That's fine. That's fine. You can have a few. <laughs> and so I didn't know what to do, and because I I hated the music that we did so much, so sure. I would actually show up when the music was getting over, and then oh, okay, yeah. and then just come for the sermon. And sure. So when he asked me to do it, I was like, ah, I don't know what to do. So I went home. And, uh, you know, at the same time, I was like coming alive in my faith and, yeah. and I have always been a really prolific songwriter and, and I, I just thought, I'm like, I should just try writing something. And I wrote my first worship song, which is a song called beauty of simplicity. And, um, and that just kind of opened up this floodgate. Mm. So the first Sunday I led worship, I introduced eight new songs. <laughs> Crazy. Yeah. And like, and most of them were originals and a few hymns. Yeah. And so that just kind of began this process. And with that, 
guys from the label that were coming to the church heard me lead. And then it quickly led to me getting a, a record deal with um, Tooth and Nail with their Christian side, BEC. Right. Um, and uh, that's how I formed uh, the worship band uh, Telecast. Mm-hmm. That's right. So so just uh, basically fast forward um this kind of led to me entering into full-time ministry uh, in 2002, uh, and that's where I formed Telecast. I was in staff with a church for a year as the worship pastor. Okay. Really green. My wife had only been a believer for like six months and me two years. And uh, from there, we um, I, I ended up going on tour full-time wow. uh, after one year of being at the church because yeah. our record unexpectedly took off. And so 2003 to 2004, I did about 200 plus shows Wow! and uh, kind of all over the world. And while I was on the road, that sort of is where I developed preaching because I found myself so impassioned by mm. what I saw was a, was a, a lack of depth yeah. um, and a lack of hunger for Jesus and for the scriptures. And um, the church had, had moved toward this very programmatic kind of style. And then at the same time, it was the beginnings of the emergent movement, mm. which was completely foreign to me. The whole concept of we need to rethink the gospel and bring it to uh, figure out how to actually articulate it in a way that my, th- I mean, they were trying to reach people like myself. Right. But uh, but the thing that was a huge miss of the mark uh, in the emergent movement is that the movement was driven by basically frustrated pastors, kids. That's my it's, that's it's, my sum up. Yeah, <laughs> that's my no, sum of it for sure, for and, sure. Yeah, and so they're like they wanted a church different than their daddies, and so they and and really it was like a I thought a surrender of orthodoxy for the sake of being relevant. Yeah, uh, and so I thought it was completely weird, but I be me being completely tattooed and like coming <laughs> out of it, like they just looked at me as like I could be this poster child for the emergent movement. And I thought it was a cult. <laughs> so, so I, so just kind of seeing all of these sides, the charismatic yeah. movement, the reform movement, the emergent movement, all these things kind of coming at me. And all it did for me was reinforce my desire to just be about Jesus awesome, and to be very Christ Christocentric and never lose the simplicity of the gospel. Yeah. And you know, the belief that God really loves people and wants to save them. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> and yeah. and but that there's a narrowness to our message that opens up to the vastness of our God and and the narrowness is Jesus. And so yeah. so I just got very vocal on the road. I toured with bands and, you know, in the Christian music world that were more interested in utilizing the easiness of getting into the Christian music market because it was so subpar yeah. to what was happening in the world that they could utilize it as a stepping stone to become rock stars. When I'm like, I'm like, why are you so embarrassed about being a Christian artist when we get to play in front of thousands of kids yeah. who I guarantee many of them don't know the gospel yeah, and, exactly. and you're utilizing it to create a subcategory of rock star sure. instead of actually as an opportunity to, as a platform to be a voice for, yeah. for Christ. And exactly. so, so I got so frustrated. I ended up like finding myself by the end of a year of touring, I was sharing almost more than I was singing. Right. You're one of those guys. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I was, I was, I was, I didn't have a lot of grace and I was pretty new to the faith. And so I just was very zealous and sure. I just couldn't understand how anyone wouldn't 
couldn't be blown away by, you know, by Jesus. I remember yeah. going to Creation East and oh, yeah. playing this huge festival in, in Pennsylvania and like chastising the audience for all the kids wearing Jesus is my homeboy t-shirts. I'm like, if you're wearing Jesus is my homeboy, he is not your homeboy. He's the creator of the universe. You don't know the gospel. It was just like people, right. kids crying. Like, yeah. He's and then they didn't invite you guys back after that. <laughs> yeah. And then, yeah. And then I would get, I got harassed by my label and yeah. to be, for being so zealous. And right. so I just like, man, I, I need to grow. And so I got yeah. off the road and took a job at a church in California and okay. that, um, and I said I would do worship in return. They let me start a Sunday evening service called Clarity. Wow. And I was there for two and a half years. And that's really where I cut my teeth on preaching and hmm. and really developed even my own, you know, my, I had a clear understanding of the gospel, but, you know, I was still very green and my understanding of the scriptures. Sure. And, um, and so I just... I just kind of, I utilized tour. I mean, the whole time I was touring, uh, I mean, I, I utilized that. I would read about six hours a day right. in, the van, in the van, just like, you know, I was, went from being an underachiever in school to an overachiever as I reached 30. Right. <laughs> and yeah. So, so uh, I came back to the Northwest after two years down in California and took a job at a church um, called Solid Rock, which is now called the Jesus Church. Okay. Uh, and um, and after less than two years there, I just knew it was time. It was right before I turned 35. Um, I just didn't want to work in the suburbs. I just didn't connect with it. I've always been an urban right. personality and temperament. And um, I... I resigned from the church I was working at and kind of stepped out in faith. And in 2000 and, uh, 2009, uh, I started, uh, May of 2009, I started Door of Hope. Right. And, uh, um, it just began with, at a church that had been converted into a yoga studio that I painted for free rent. <laughs> and, uh, and, and just quickly, began seeing uh, this incredible opportunity of sharing the gospel with uh, probably the first truly post-Christian city in the U.S. Yeah. And uh, so the and when I say post-Christian, I mean like a whole generation of yeah. kids that have grown up with no uh, no gospel. Yeah. And, you know, so all the Gen Xers, my demographic, you know, that rejected church totally, uh, produced kids that are now, you know, hitting 18, 19, yeah. that had no reference to Christianity sure. whatsoever. Exactly. But, but at the same time, Portland's very bohemian and super spiritual. So there was an openness. Yeah. Uh, what was viewed as the hardest city to reach with the gospel. What I found was that hipsters were starving for truth mm. their whole lives based upon you know skepticism and and you know yeah. ir irony and sure and uh, just it, portland's a very self-conscious city yeah. <laughs> and, yeah, so, yeah. and so the I mean, everything you see in Portlandia, sadly, is more true than you can ever, <laughs> sure. ever even know. Oh, no. That's why I don't even find it funny. Yeah, you're like, this <laughs> so, is normal. <laughs> yeah. So that 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 just ended up being the this birth of this really cool movement. In some ways, had similarities to the 
uh, you know, on a very small scale to the Jesus movement, where you have mm. these kids having these radical conversions to to a gospel they didn't even know, yeah, and uh, and that gave birth to like a new expression for worship, yeah, and, uh, because they didn't have any point of reference, they weren't coming to it having they didn't know what Hillsong was or yeah. Bethel or you know what was CCM. We don't really have Christian radio, so right. it's like so, which actually was so great because it just then there was no preconceived notion of what church should be. Exactly. Um, yeah. And then, and for me, it was all about starting a church that eradicated all the things that I thought were additions to scriptures and my attempts, at the to the best of my ability, to yeah. try to create what I what I felt was an apostolic uh, uh, type of service, sure. which was just stripping away everything that was unnecessary and leaving the only thing that was central, which is how do we bring people into here hear the gospel yeah so so that so that's that's a very quick (laughs) synopsis of about uh 15 i mean door of hope just celebrated its seven year wow well congratulations uh, yeah thank you and i still put out about a record a year and uh uh, through our own label deeper well and so um very involved still making music for me is my way of unwinding so yeah no, that's <laughs> and if you know kind of transitioning to that more or less because here you are or you started as this musician sort of not in the christian world um and then you had this radical conversion you know zealous and i sort of balanced yourself out to know you know the truth and everything but you haven't thrown away uh your love for music and and art and to kind of move into that now um I what a lot of Christians sort of struggle artists sorry artists struggle uh, who are Christians in the church though and how to sort of reconcile their 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 love for for art whether that would be music or dance or paint uh, photography or whatever I'm, I'm sure there's lots of people yeah. at door of hope that are multiple different kind of uh, artists but I guess why 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 is there that struggle there uh, I guess well, the, the question would be I would start off saying just because I am an artist that artists are the worst Christians. (laughs) And the reason is, is because we're the most conflicted because art by its very nature is self-expression and Christianity by its nature is self-denial. And so there's, there's an immediate paradox that you're confronted with. That's, that's extremely challenging. I think also that we, um, in kind of as the aftermath of the emergent movement and, you know, for the most part that's died away, but the, but the, um, a lot of the emphasis of it, uh, around specifically the area of the arts and there's this, you know, early two thousands, was this reemergence of how to, you know, Christianity used to be the center of art in the you know Western world. Yep. I'm like, well, that's because Christianity controlled the world, and it's called the Dark Ages. And so, yeah, uh, so, so it's. I think that has far less to do with the gospel. And there, you're making a you're making an extreme leap uh, to assume that just because the church was commissioning most of the great arts, that these artists were actually followers of Jesus. Right. And so, I mean, I'm not saying that there weren't some, but there, but you know, this uh, overgeneralizing. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Pasolini, one of the greatest Italian filmmakers of all time, was commissioned by the Roman Catholic Church to make probably the best 
uh, 70s, uh, probably one of the best movies on the gospel ever. And he was also stabbed to death by a male prostitute a year later because of his own sexual immorality and pedophilia. So, I mean, we can't, we just can't make these big jumps to say that. That's a good point. uh, That Christian, you know, because the church once had the foothold on, I mean, it it, it controlled everything, yeah. academia. And uh, so I think that, uh, that that's that we can't draw that conclusion. Yeah. But what we can come to is the recognition that, um, that the, the, the first and foremost thing, uh, just as we try to help people that are struggling with issues of sexuality, I think whether it's ours, it doesn't really matter what the issue is, uh, that it's all about identity. Yeah. And so, um, uh, so to, I, I think that our identity first and foremost is in Christ. And so, and if that is central, um, and I think that often it's the, the artist tends to elevate that his role as artist over his identity in Christ. Hmm. And, uh, and I think that that is where you end up with a lot of the internal conflict that so many, um, Christian artists, uh, I find because they don't, they don't want to a, be a Christian. They want to be an art. They want to be an artist who's a Christian. Right. Um, and once again, I think that, that those are, that's, you know, they're borrowing from CS Lewis's, um, famous line about, you know, he's not a Christian author. He's an, he's an author, he's a Christian, but he wasn't trying to split hairs yeah. for the purpose of creating ambiguity. Right. Uh, you know, he was just, he, it was just his answer to why is it that he, you know, uh, why does he write things outside of even what would be considered explicitly Christian? And right. I think that the, the, that the issue that's at stake is, is really, you know, what is the, the, the center of the heart's affections. James Smith's book, new book that, um, you are what you love, mm. uh, is a really helpful book actually. And I don't know if you're familiar with him, but he wrote, uh, College, yeah. yeah. And he wrote it, he wrote a, uh, he actually wrote a commentary around, I think one of the greatest philosophers alive and, uh, who's from, uh, who's from Canada, uh, Charles Taylor, who wrote uh, um, uh, The Secular Age, mm. which is a very, very dense, giant book. And James Smith's <laughs> book's probably a better way to tackle it because sure. it's a synopsis. Yeah. Uh, but he he really talks about that discipleship in its essence is is really um, is is a realigning of heart affections that you aren't what you think, but you are what you love. Wow. And uh, um, And I think that that is really helpful because art is this is this attempt to express you know who we are and so if we get our identity in Christ right then that expression will be yeah. will by nature be um, whether it's explicitly or not it still should have its anchor in your in that identity yeah. and so I think that ju- the, one of the other issues is that churches in their attempts to give uh, a place to the arts, um, often. So I was just asked to come and speak on what place does the arts have and, um, or how do you cultivate the arts in your church? That mm. was what I was asked to speak on at a conference. And I'm like, honestly, uh, so I didn't tell them I was going to say this and I might not be asked back. Um, <laughs> but I just said, I'm like, it's, a, it's, it's the wrong question. 
Hmm. Uh, they, they, it's a, it's assuming that the church's primary responsibility is to cultivate like the, there's only one responsibility that the church has as the bride of Christ, which is to be a witness to his kingdom. Yeah. Um, and that kingdom can be reflected throughout your community. Um, but, uh, in, in the makeup of what that community is, will define what that, what that looks like. Yeah. And if you're in Texas, art is not going to be the central f- focus of your community football will be right and you're not going to build a church around football no <laughs> so, <laughs> exactly. so i'm like so in portland artists make up a huge chunk of the church because that's the city i live in yeah and so it's like it's kind con- so i actually so people ask me like well how do you help artists i'm like you know how i help artists at door of hope i actually don't talk about art ever <laughs> right <laughs> because i don't i don't need to it's just what we do <laughs> right exactly and so it's it's a natural reflection of like god utilizing the people that just happen to make up that community sure. so it's like why would we try to create you know an artistic atmosphere so you go to like a small town in rural texas and you have this pastor who like desperately wants his community to be more artistic and all of a sudden he has someone paint you know some horrible painter doing a painting <laughs> while he preaches in front of a bunch of people that just want to go home and watch the you know the next football game it's yeah, like it doesn't even it doesn't, make sense exactly no i get that yeah no that's good and i think that you know the what you said at the very beginning i thought was very very helpful to understand but like how an artist is you know it's all about self-expression right uh, yeah. for christian it's self-denial so once we identify once we've crucified ourselves with christ and now are identified um in christ you know, then the art that kind of flows from us will hopefully uh, be revealing Christ in a sense, because that's yeah. who we are, right? Um, so I guess in in that sense, then for someone that for an artist that that's new to them, how would you say personally you sort of live live that out in your art to sort of help someone that that's sort of a new idea for them? Well, for a long time, I mean, I kind of lived under a very a very stringent conviction because I knew my own temperament. So not many artists, um, and I think that this is where, where the scripture is silent. Um, we have liberty, but it's liberty that is that, that we are to apply wisdom um, that should be spirit empowered. And so, uh, so for each person that varies. So I've known artists, like, for example, we have um, a guy by the name of Eric Early at Door of Hope, and he's amazing. He's like, he's, he came to faith at, um, like me, like later in life, mm-hmm. actually a little bit later than me. Um, and he's the lead singer of one of the biggest bands in the, out of Portland in the last 15 years, a band called Blitz and Trapper, mm-hmm. you know, and, and, yeah. and he's, but his temperament is he's never cared. He's like the anti star. Right. Um, <laughs> he's never cared about, he's never made music to be known. Yeah. He's made music cause it's just what he does. He, his dad put a banjo in his hand when he was five and he can play every instrument better than anybody. <laughs> and he can produce his own records and mix his own records. Right. <laughs> and he's like, I mean, I remember I was like watching David Letterman one night and Eric, he, I knew he was on tour and all of a sudden I see him on Letterman and we're, he's one of my best friends. Right. And I'm like, did you didn't even call me and tell me you're going to be on David Letterman last night? And he's like, he's like, so it's just, it's weird. Like when, it, when am I supposed to call you and it's like, Hey, I'm going to be on, I'm like, I would have. And he goes, yeah, but that's cause you care more. <laughs> <Whoa>. <laughs> and I'm like, it's and a true I'm friend like, right that, there. Yeah. yeah. And I'm like, and, and he goes, and that's why you were smart and, you know, essentially yeah. saying, I'm going to utilize my 
that my gift of songwriting, I'm going to, I'm boxing myself in purposefully, mm. um, that with the church desperately needs its own music. It needs its own, it's, it needs its own hymnal. Yeah. Uh, we can't just simply, we can't say that the only inspired time in church history musically is the reformed camp loves to say, uh, during the 15th to 17th century. Sure. Like, it's just not fair. Like, yeah, no, it's good. as if that's the, and the, the, what was unique about that time for music is that you had theologians first and musicians second. Right. And music was merely a carrier of this very rich, yeah. theologically dense content. Um, and so you had like the Wesley brothers writing hundreds and hundreds of yeah hymns, you know, but they're also the preachers, you know? And yeah. so I think that, so I really said that if the responsibility of worship, uh, if you're going to write worship for the churches, that be a theologian first and a musician second. Yeah. And I, because of my own temptations in my twenties of des the desire to be famous, I purposely said, I'm going to utilize my music to make music for the church. And mm -hmm. I, I, even though I, I'm capable of going outside that box easily, um, I, and, and I actually have in only in the last couple of years. And it, it's funny at, at 40, at 42 years old, I find that I'm still like, it still creates conflict for me sure. internally. Yeah. Um, and yeah. cause I've just been doing, I've been doing music on the side for, for film and television. And so it's, it's just interesting like the, and even that I've, so I've just been really clear that just to expand yeah. my understanding of what the gospel looks like in the form of music. Yeah. And, um, and I tried kind of right going out of that box and I found that even still, it just, it doesn't totally work for me. Right. And so I think that each person has to come, you know, what do you can like, whatever is not done in faith is sin. And so exactly. for Eric, he's still, he's making another Blitz and Trap record and that's natural to who he is. But I, what I find is that the gospel is becoming more and more evident in his music cool. because for him, the central importance is identity in Jesus. That's awesome. And so, yeah. yeah and so, I, but not everyone can do that. Sure. <laughs> yeah, so, exactly. So I just think we, I'm very cautious to never be overly prescriptive in this realm other than helping people. My primary responsibility as a pastor is to help people understand their identity in Christ. I happen to be a pastor in an artistic city, which means that we naturally have a church filled yeah. with artists. Um, and, and, you know, it, it would be silly for churches to try to emulate the aspects of our church that are really not, that you can't emulate, right. you know, yeah. that's a good point. Um, yeah. So, no, that's great. So that's kind of, that's kind of where I, so I just think that for each person, it's like you have to pay attention to where, like, let the spirit guide you. Your temper, mm -hmm. our temperaments are different. Our temptations are different. That's good. Um, and, and let the spirit lead and make sure, you know, always be testing what is supreme in your heart. Yeah. No, that's, <laughs> that's great, Josh. No, no, that, that I think that, that speaks very well. Um, and that, that goes in regards to, you know, like you said, everything, we don't, whatever doesn't come from faith to you, that's sin, right? So I think yeah. that, uh, in regards, not just to art, but in a lot of different kind of, uh, these different areas in life where it's not super clear, let's say in the Bible, exactly, 
then you kind of have to go that way. You have to uh, walk in the spirit. You have to trust in the Lord, you know? Mm-hmm. And uh, I think our our, uh, our hearts, I think the sin nature of our hearts just want to have a list of what we can do, what we can't do, or how we mm-hmm. should do and how we shouldn't do. Uh, but this is one of those areas where God's like, no, I'm not going to actually say that. I need you to actually listen to me uh, and, trust in, and trust in my spirit and discern. So I think that's, that's a great word. Um, I, you know, I'm, I'm a personal fan of, you know, the work that you've done with followers, uh, and also Pilgrim and everything. So I'm just, I just want to ask when are the next albums coming out? <laughs> well, right. So I just actually, uh, I've been working with this, um, this company called Crystal Creative that is, uh, they, they basically do like film and television placement, but there is actually too young. It's so funny because in the, in the nineties, like you, it, music was so driven by like youth. Right. So yeah. you like, if you were like, I always thought, I remember when I was 21, I thought that if I didn't get a record deal by 22, <laughs> that I was like, my career was over. <laughs> <laughs> right. But in reality, I actually didn't even start writing reasonable songs until I was 31. <laughs> right. <laughs> so, exactly. Yeah. Um, so uh, yeah. I, you know, I was a late bloomer and it, it's, <laughs> It's funny, like these the, the two guys that run Crystal Creative are in their twenties, and right. here I am in my early forties, <laughs> hey and, and, yeah. <laughs> and they're managing me. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. So like, oh, I'm okay. like, this is very reversed uh, period. But I, <laughs> you know, I a lot of it, of what I've been doing too, is starting to write for other artists. Like I wrote uh, the uh, the Liz Vice album mm. uh, was my first um, cool. uh, record that, where I was able to uh, write a an actual R and B like soul. Like cool. Motown record, which awesome. was really fun. Yeah. And Liz and Liz owned it and it's it's great. And she just took a job as a worship uh, pastor in um in Brooklyn. Oh wow. Uh, so cool. Yeah, so that's cool. So I'm I'm already trying to work on new songs for her next record. And then I finished a new album. Um but that Crystal Creative is really asking me because I'm so obnoxious about <laughs> so, of of giving every project I do a new name. Sure. So it keeps it makes it very difficult for those who are try to follow my music creator, you <laughs> yeah. know, like what's mine like, and what's what next? isn't. Right, right, yeah, right, yeah. Like I did Telecast, then I've done a couple records under Josh. I did three records as Telecast, three, two records as Josh White. I've done two records as The Followers, yeah. and one record as Pilgrim. Yeah, and then I, I was, I just finished a new album, and so there, the, my management's making me go back, and we're everything Deeper Wells release will actually re re release under just josh white so it oh, okay in confusion oh, <laughs> so, that's what i can be waiting so, for then yeah. okay josh yeah, white so okay it was going to be another pilgrim record and they're like it's too confusing we're just we're like i know we know you are reluctant <laughs> to be branded but uh, i'm like i don't want to be brand- don't ever use that word <laughs> so, right, right. Uh, but yeah we're already doing several of the songs uh cool. and if you listen to the door of like there's a song that we've been doing a lot for worship like you you were mentioned before we started the interview right that you can hear uh, the top, worship yeah. yeah and so there's a song called holy haunt which is one of the new ones and a song called mercy cool. um that are new so that my new record will come out and by it's been done since since uh august so it okay. should come out i've just been so busy right uh, at the church and i yeah. came off a three-month sabbatical so oh wow uh, yeah yeah so i'm and i'm in the process of moving right now so oh my goodness <laughs> well after hearing all that thank you so much for again taking the time to uh to chat with me uh yeah, in the midst of, of that but hey josh thank you so much i really appreciate your obviously your time your words your wisdom uh but also i've you know always appreciated your music and your church like i said my wife and i have uh visited a couple of times 
and we've we're hoping to visit more as well whenever going to Portland. But anyways, thank you so much, Josh, and I hope to have you back on the show sometime. Yeah, it's great to be here. Thank you. I think it's pretty interesting the whole concept of being artists who try to fit Jesus into their art versus Mm -hmm. being lovers and disciples of Jesus who are artists or who have been given the gift of art. Right. And I think that was like a cool um, concept that he was trying to relay in in the top, in the discussion. Right. Because obviously God is given like some Christians. uh, I I think everyone in a sense is... I mean, I think we we sort of say creativity and art is an artistic is sort of synonymous, mm-hmm. but I, I wouldn't say that. I would say everyone is creative because that's part of the fact that we've been made in the image of God, that we reflect his creativity. Mm-hmm. But some people are specifically artists when it comes to singing, dance, painting, whatever, yeah. like actual or their art. their vocation, that's their vocation. Yeah, that's their vocation. To do that. Exactly. Yeah. So I think your point's right, though. We need to be first, you know, disciples, first Christians, mm-hmm. right? Uh, that have been given this gift specifically mm-hmm. of art and uh, to do that well, but through that first fa- identity as as a Jesus follower rather than I'm an artist and now I'm going to go and try to fit Jesus into it. Yeah, you know? totally. So, yeah. And I think that obviously fits well with like that really, I, I find it was very hard hitting uh, comment that he made when he was like, yeah, like, you know, artists are the worst Christians because, you know, about an artist is all about you know uh, self-expression, mm-hmm. whereas an, a Christian is all about self-denial. Mm-hmm. And once we deny ourselves and put our identity in Christ, and I think the art that we'll produce will be so much more um, uh, beautiful, and you know it'll be used for the equipping of the ministry yeah. or for the for the saints for the work yeah. of the ministry. Yeah, and it's that whole principle of you know, does my art serve? Is mm-hmm. it either serving my creator or is it serving others? Yeah. That's like the prescript, this perspective you have yeah. to have as an artist. Yes. Um, because if you, on the contrary, it's, it's all you. It's, yeah. is this, are my song, like these are my songs that are expressions of my, my heart and, right. or I'm playing a show and all these people are here for me. Yeah. Like we have to invert that. Right. You totally. Know, when we're following Jesus as Christians. We have to invert that and say like, oh wow, are my songs, um, speaking to people and giving them something, giving them like a message that they yeah. can take away yeah, exactly. something from, or are my songs like glorifying God? Yeah. Are they bringing people to glorify God? Um, and you know, he, he even in his testimony, he, he says that when he was getting into the music industry with, without being a Christian, he says like, I'll, like he just honestly said that I was going into it for the sort of the fame and to be known, yeah, you know, totally. and then he gets into it and then he becomes a Christian and starts to do music because that's a gift he's been given. And he does that authentically, and you could obviously see that he butted heads with a lot of people in the Christian music industry mm-hmm. because a lot of them, you know, said he, like he, he didn't name any names, which is good. But he, you know, he saw different bands and artists that were like, man, they're just here for the, the, the quick glory, yeah, rather than being uh, authentic. Yeah, in using there. the Christian industry as like a stepping stone to fame. Yeah, exactly. Which is so convoluted. And yeah. It's, Totally the way the enemy can take something good and then contort it and twist, and twist it, it. Yeah. And turn it into just self. Yeah, that's right. Self. Well, that wraps up this week's Indo podcast. If you have any questions, comments, or maybe a story, testimony, we'd love to hear it. You can contact us over uh, email at info at indo.ca. Or you can connect with us via uh, online, like Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, things like that. And we'd love to hear from the community of listeners. So please uh, uh, get a hold of us. We'd love to hear hear from you. Anyways, I'm Isaac. I'm Britt. And this is the Endowed Podcast.
podcast is a part of Back to the Bible Canada's Young Adult Ministry in Doubt. All of Back to the Bible Canada's ministry programs and resources are created for the purpose of leading people forward in their walk with Jesus every day. For more information on all things Back to the Bible Canada, visit backtothebible.ca. Thank you.